welcome to the Empathic Mastery Show. I'm your host, Jennifer Moore, and I'm so glad you're here. This is a place where we talk about what it means to be highly sensitive and empathic, how this impacts all aspects of our lives, and we explore tools, resources, and solutions so we can shift from absorbing all the thoughts, feelings, and energy of the world around us to being beacons for calm, love, and healing. Hey there, everybody. So I am excited to be back again. Today I have a guest who is a gifted energy facilitator and author and intuitive guide based in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And this is Tracy Wittet. And Tracy is trained in many energy healing modalities like I am, including Reiki, divine healing hands, theta healing, access consciousness, UN method, not not to be confused with UN as in United Nations, and healing touch. Over the years, these and other trainings have evolved, leading Tracy to implement an integrated method called transmosis healing. Transmosis healing clears energies that make us sick or hold us back. It's a multidimensional body balancing session that clears non-beneficial energies on all levels, layers, timelines, and dimensions. Clients feel better, are happier, lighter, and uplifted by the 100% pure divine light clearing. This unique energy clearing connects us to the healing power of our true divine nature. Doesn't that sound awesome? To learn more about transmosis healing, please visit Tracy's website over at tracywittit.com. And also check it out. Tracy offers her free book called The Magi Within, Unlocking the Gifts of the Inner Self as a gift for those listeners who wish to dive deeper into their own empowering intuitive gifts. So you guys check it out. And also as you're listening, I promise all of the links will be in the show notes. So it's all there. Tracy, thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome. I am so happy to be here. I've been looking forward to this connection. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) So glad. Well, and you know, obviously, we start with the fact that we're both empaths. and, And with the fact that we are, you know, like, living our life. And one of the things that's sort of the theme of the Empathic Mastery Show is just looking at all of the different ways that being highly sensitive and empathic has impacted our life. And so kind of one of the first things I always sort of like to hear about is like, how did you know you were an empath? What was your experience like being in a, you know, like with all of this? And how has this impacted your life? You know, I kind of judged myself because I would feel everything and I was, and I am still super sensitive. So it's like, what is, I thought, oh my gosh, what is wrong with me? Why do I act and feel so sensitive? Why, why do I react so deeply? Like I get hurt really easy. I can, I just feel it. I just feel energy because it's invisible so deeply. It just, it just would knock me off my center. And I would buy books like, are you really too sensitive or <laughs> things like that? Because I thought there was something wrong with mm-hmm. me. The biggest way that it affected me because it's, it's not true, you know? And so later in life, I kind of like thought about it and I'm like, wait, this is a gift. How can I flip that? How can I turn that around and utilize my gifts? But it took some clarity. It took, it took some maturation. 
You know, I felt like everyone else in the world knew what they were doing and I didn't. <laughs> I mean, that kind of tells you the inner nature of me, like my own self-confidence, my own self-esteem, where I really had to reparent myself through obviously through healthy habits that were I was I learned through therapy or group therapy or energy work. I just learned to reparent myself and be kind to myself. I was I'm kind of I used to be really rough on myself and now it's like wait a minute. Everything that happens to me in this world, any experience I have, any feelings that I have, I forget that it's a gift. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, becoming more victorious rather than a victim. You know, you actually realize that everything is a gift. And now that I'm a little older, <laughs> I realize that I'm in relationship with the universe, with the divine, with source. And I, I can relax a little. <laughs> I'm originally from the East Coast, and it's like, you know, go, 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 produce, you know, D.C. metro area, Northern Virginia, and mm -hmm. I grew up with that energy, so I thought that's just how it was. Right, right. It's not. It's crazy making. <laughs> well, and yeah, it seems like the further north you go on the East Coast, the crazier it is, and there's definitely like that real difference in like the Mason Dixon line. And I mean, but DC is certainly, but I've, I, so I'm, I live in Maine. I grew up in Massachusetts. I come from go, 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 do, 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 do. And I have friends down, or I had friends who were living in um, North Carolina and spent time down in like Georgia. And I'm so struck by how much mellower and much slower the paces in these places. But for people like you and I, growing up in like type A personality, high powered world, not easy for empathic people. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. And I would struggle. I think the gift of that, if I look back historically, like working in corporate America, like working for Xerox and walk with me, talk with me, you know, and being all that, I realized that it. Now I realize that wasn't necessary. I didn't need to push so hard and control and make my destiny as if it was really in my control. And it isn't. <laughs> That's what I mean by now. I'm more in relationship with the universe. If I just kind of chill out and just wait, it's so interesting that I don't have to manage it, that I don't have to solve the problem. If I don't text back right away, if I don't... Things just kind of seem to resolve themselves. And it's like, oh, I made myself crazy before. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, and our tendency to rush into rescue and to sort of like appoint ourselves as the higher power in somebody's life and to just imagine that if somebody's experiencing something urgent and difficult, that like we need to jump on board with that urgency. It is such a powerful lesson to discover if we don't engage with the urgency a lot of times, like you check in, and I don't know if you've had this experience, but I think about the number of times where I would get this emergency text or emergency voicemail and I wouldn't have the time to deal with it or I'd be busy. So by the time I heard it, it was like hours and hours later. And then I'd call them the next day and be like, are you okay? And they're like, about what? And it's like, they're in the moment of crisis. But it's like it, the urgency resolves itself even before you have a chance to respond to the text message or the phone call. Right, 
we're not in charge. We act like we are. We think we're co-creators, but at the same time, are we? I mean, we are. Yeah. But not to the, I don't know, there's a whole topic we could talk about, like fate and destiny. And I, I you know, I don't want to really go there because what I'm starting to do is chill out a little bit. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Well, and, you know, you're sort of talking about something that I think a lot of people, like when we talk about the law of attraction and we talk about the idea of creating our own reality, I think a lot of people imagine that or see that through the lens of the ego. And they are thinking that it's their ego that is creating reality. Yes. I personally hear we create our own reality with like a capital W, capital E in the sense that we are creating our reality, but it is not our individual ego that decides that we want to drive a Lexus and makes vision boards that's necessarily going to have control over all of that. Very good point. Thank you for delineating that. That's that's perfect. It's really the divine is in charge. Yeah. And as we are in concert or in soul alignment, if you will, with the divine part of us, our higher self, then life flows a lot better. It's a lot more positive and you don't have to make those, I'm going to call it lower world decisions or choices mm-hmm. because I feel like that's a higher frequency. That's, that's our natural substance. It's our natural essence. That's who we really are, but we feel like we're real in these bodies And that's a little denser. I mean, energy needs, you know, there's the formless and the form. Be really great to be right in the neutral spot between formless and form and just be like a divine human. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because that's what we are, (laughs) I think. So I'm going to, hopefully this isn't going to feel like too much of a curveball at you. I know that there are people who are listening who are so stuck in the form right now and that there are empaths who are in that place of feeling, or I'm imagining because I've talked to a lot of people who are in that place of sort of feeling all the feels, taking on the thoughts, the feelings, the energy, the sensations of the world around them. And sort of listening to you and going, well, that's fine for you. (laughs) But, you know, like my reality is that I am in a abusive relationship and I am working a job I absolutely loathe and I'm flat broke and I have the responsibility of my three children. And, you know, I mean, we could go on and on. But I guess I'd be really curious, like, I find there's a really interesting balance between knowing the fundamental truth that we are immortal souls that are basically of the divine, choosing this experience and living these lives versus that sort of path of like spiritual bypassing or denial about the hard stuff. So I'd love, and my sense is that what you are talking about is not denial of the hard stuff. But I'm wondering if you could talk to how when somebody's in that earth plain, earth-based, stuck, and miserable, do we start lifting ourselves out of it, especially when we are seeing evidence of greed and suffering and all the kinds of things that for us human beings, we very frequently tend to say, that is wrong. Yeah, that's, that's the art of being here, is noticing the duality, noticing that both are not right or wrong, good or bad, but that they exist for a reason. And for me, I'm feeling trust. 
I have to trust that what's happening is for my highest good. I don't like it. I am the first to resist. Mm -hmm. But I find that, you know, there was a saying in A Course in Miracles that if you ride the horse in the direction it's going, rather than resisting it and facing the butt, you know, and it's going this way, it's like, how can we ask questions to ourselves? Like, why is this happening? What am I feeling? How come this keeps happening? What is this pattern? What do I have control over? When you ask these questions, now, this is access consciousness words that I learned. But when you ask open-ended questions, you expand the energy. Mm -hmm. And when you conclude, Mm -hmm. and this is the way it always is, I always create these patterns. When you conclude things, it contracts the energy. So when you're in an expanded space of being, asking questions, asking for help, And then being, and I'm talking to myself because I am very patient with others and not so much with myself. And I'm learning to trust myself, to trust that this is happening for my highest and greatest good. What if I am burning off karma? What if I did this act, perpetration, someone's doing something to me? What if I did that in a past life? I don't know. The truth is, I don't know. But for me personally, I do my best to take a pause a sacred pause and just assess from a higher perspective. Because oftentimes when we're in that, we're looking out our human eyes and we're seeing horrific things on the news. I don't watch the news, but when you were asking and leading up to your question, I'm kind of clear. I am clairvoyant. I'm not going to say I'm kind of clairvoyant. I heard kindness. I really feel that we have to be really kind to ourselves, Like Yes. I didn't create this abusive situation or this shitty job. Excuse my French. If that's okay, I don't know. You know, and I too, I was, I felt trapped because I had at work because I went there 40 hours a week, but my heart was really in the spiritual realms or the divine realms in healing work and studying esoteric material. And so what I did was I balanced that out with doing what I needed to do, being very obedient, self-responsible, and doing what I had to do. But the only thing that we really have control over or what I had control over was my attitude. Mm-hmm. I, that's the first step in healing, to know that it's possible to change this. And everything is impermanent. It's not going to last forever. So I know through... Well, I I walked across the hot coals in Denver, Colorado with Tony Robbins, you know, and that's the unleash the power within. That was a a fear metaphor. Yeah. And when you focus on the outcome, like I want a new job or I really want to align with what I'm really gifted to do here on the planet. And if you don't have it in this moment, you can at least know that's what you want and what you desire. And I think that when we resonate in our own thoughts, feelings, and emotions of what we want, and I'm not saying like in a future sense, but like really, just like really having an honest talk with yourself and admitting it. Oh my God, I hate my effing job. And what am I going to do about it? But it doesn't always, I have to trust divine timing. That's what I learned. Trusting divine timing. And you know, you're speaking about everything happens or, you know, there's a reason we receive, we experience everything. And I can honestly say, when I look back at all of the near misses or 
like, quote, disappointments, unquote, that has happened in my life, I know that every single one of them was ultimately kind of like the universe doing for me what I could not do for myself. And essentially setting me up for something better. Because I've also found that so frequently, our idea of what it is that we want is so constrained by like social conditioning and our scarcity, you know, perceptions and everything, that a lot of times it's like, what we're asking for is like crumbs compared to what the universe has to offer us. And that's, again, that trust walk. For me, it's like my greatest lesson right now is trusting that the provider will provide. And that is really tied to money. It's really tied to having a job. Yes. And what I honestly did for myself is, let's say I had $10,000 in debt. That kept me in that wheel of having to keep working to pay that nut back, you know, every month. And I just kept at it and I got rid of all my debt. Do you know what a relief that is for me? Oh my gosh. And I think now, and this is from my husband. I mean, he really helped me with that. And we just got married July 13th. So we're brand new. Congratulations. Oh, that's wonderful. He is my twin flame. And that's what I always wanted, but I never really thought it would be possible. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's sad that my 25 year marriage expired. It just was all of a sudden it was like, oh, oh, okay. I don't want to hurt people, but at the same time, I needed to make a choice. And that's what happens to each and every one of us. We can make a choice and you can make a choice and then 10 seconds later, make another one. It's not like in stone. And it's like asking yourself questions. I want to go back to the empowerment thing for people because some people can tell, they can ask so many questions that they can tell their body is kind of like a pendulum. You know, it's called the heavy and light tool in access. Like you ask a question that is true. Like, is my name Tracy? Mm -hmm. You know, I feel it up here. It's lighter. But if I say, is my name Dylan? I get it in my stomach. It's lower. It's heavier. So that's one thing. People could use a pendulum. People could muscle test. However, you get the truth for you because your body does not lie. It always tells the truth. Think about it. It's a divine vehicle that was given to us. Seems really real, but supposedly it's just molecular things, you know, going really fast, but it sure feels real. Yes. I know that it's real or unreal. And I'll say why. This is a mystical experience I had once. And I was driving my car. I was Uh living in Longmont, Colorado. I was driving to work along the foothills in Boulder towards Boulder where my office was. And I'm driving and then all of a sudden everything was blue white light. And I was like, and it was silent. And it seemed like it lasted a really long time, but it couldn't have. I'm driving 55 miles an hour. But then all of a sudden in my, like I still had my hands on the wheel and the windshield is still in front of me. And I remember the windshield and the scene in front of me, but it was flat. It was like a movie screen that wasn't moving. And then all of a sudden it like sound started coming and then the movement happened again. I did not know what that was. I asked someone who was a, um, I think he's still on the planet. He's a Prince Harindra and he's from India and he did numerology, like uh, Vedic astrology, numerology and stuff. 
And I asked him, what was that? And he goes, well, normally we don't offer that while you're driving your car. He said, but that was Samadhi. Mm. Now it probably only lasted a second, but it sure felt like time stopped. That's how come I know. I remember having enough time to think, oh my God, it looks so real. The veil, you know, it really does look real. I, that was a gift, I think. I don't, I didn't yeah. conjure it. It just happened. And so that's how I can say for sure that this isn't real, but it really looks mm-hmm. real. It really looks real. It really looks real. It's funny. I sort of think of it, it's like it isn't solid, even though it feels solid, that it's like it's the, the what we consider real is the illusion, but it's energy. It's all energy. Yes. I'm really glad you said that about invisible because I trust the invisible more than I trust the physical or the form, actually, what I can see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is like it on, in the brochure uh, about transmosis healing. It's, and it's a quote from my teacher that I learned it from up in Boulder County, Vicki Cashman. And what it is, is that Buckminster Fuller said 1% is visible and 99% is invisible. So it's like, well, what's going on in the 99% if it's all invisible? Now, maybe clairvoyance can see exactly. it. Exactly. I don't know. Right? So. You know, it's funny, this quote, I have been hearing variations of this over and over and over again lately, that, you know, even talking about the, the spectrum of light, that it's like we are seeing 1% of what is out there. And if you really start and then thinking about also frequencies of hearing, it's like, as we start thinking about, we are so limited. And I personally believe that what makes empaths somewhat unique on the planet right now is that we are, you know, maybe 1% of the population who have an ability to see more of the colors and hear more of the sounds and pick up on more of the energy. We're still not picking up on all of it by any means, but I think we are picking up on more than some people, than a lot of people are. But still, I mean, just that idea of like, it's mind blowing if you start thinking about all that is unseen, unheard, unperceived that is going on. Well, they talk about junk DNA. They talk about we only use, what, 10% of our brain. I mean, how, really, what is our true potential? What is our true divine nature? Yes. (laughs) So I don't think of myself as weird anymore. Now I realize, oh, I can meet you. I can meet others that we're not weird. Why do we think that we're wrong when we actually have some unique gifts, just like special needs children? You know, if you look at them like they're, they've got a special gift rather than it's a defect or something's wrong with you. I've tried. I have tried to blend in with that hierarchy of needs to belong to this world. And I like this world. I love this world. I love people. And I feel better when I talk with people that get me. <laughs> yes, it feels so much. Well, and it feels so much better, too, when we are connecting sort of on all cylinders as opposed to like I I've had these experiences where I've had a couple conversations lately where I've been talking with people where it's very clear we're only connecting we're only having a conversation from a cognitive place and there isn't a heart connection and there isn't a telepathic connection and it, it at this point to me that just feels weird 
like I'm kind of like what why aren't you sharing more but but it it I totally hear you I I completely feel you I also really wanted to just circle back to the very beginning of the conversation because I wanted to really just um acknowledge how validating what you were describing is because I have heard it so many times of like as highly sensitive empathic people and especially as kids feeling like we're broken feeling like we should we are too much and i loved i've never heard anybody articulate this quite this way before but where you were talking about you thought everybody else was fine and there was something wrong with you right there with you sister like i thought everybody else had it figured out and i was just this weird weird quirky chatterbox who was never going to get it figured out. And I I do really love like Ram Dass, you know, we're all just walking each other home. Like the long, the older I get, the longer I'm around, the more I realize we're all hot yeah. messes. Yeah. But I really loved how you were expressing that, like that part of you that just thought everybody else had it together and you didn't. It's very vulnerable. It's, um, it's from a place of innocence. I really felt that. And I remember being in, you know, I was raised in the Protestant Christian background. So I remember going to a Presbyterian church and I remember being a kid, but sitting in the back and looking over everyone's heads and seeing like gold aura over their heads. Mm. I didn't know it was an aura. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, do these people like I, maybe it was um what is that called not um not confession but um communion do these people really think that eating a piece of bread and having some grape juice this ritual is really going to I remember having that thought and that's an unusual thought for a kid you know that is a very unusual thought <laughs> for a kid yeah I have a friend actually who shared a story about when they were somewhere in their teens or early 20s, they were raised Catholic and they were at the back of the church and just looking at the priest as he had the Eucharist and he was holding up the wafer. And this person had this holy experience where he literally saw the energy, the Christ consciousness energy enter into the Eucharist. Like, wow. He witnessed the transmutation occurring, like that this priest evidently knew what he was doing and was able to take that piece of bread and turn it into, and especially, I mean, you know, I mean, within the Protestant traditions, they're talking bread and grapefruit juice, at least in the Catholic Church, they're using the communion wafers and the wine. Yeah. But I just, that I had always had because I was raised by agnostic atheists. And so the idea of like, like the body and blood of Christ being even viable was definitely like, yeah, no, not happening. <laughs> but when my friend was describing that it was like a holy experience, yeah. witnessing the transmutation of the Eucharist, it was like, oh, maybe there's more to this world than is dreamt of in my philosophy. So, well, that's the invisible part, the formless yeah. part that sometimes we do get glimpses of that kind of keep us going for on that walk home. Yes. Right? I mean, yes. It's a mystery. It's totally a mystery. And I love all of this. I just love the spiritual realm. I just always have. And and how come? I don't know. I yeah. just came in this way. And maybe it was other lifetimes that this kind of maybe I mastered a whole bunch before. 
and I'm coming in this lifetime going, why do we forget? That's, that's a question I just had. Why do we forget? And I think it's supposed to be by the grace so that we can just keep learning our lessons. That's kind of a, I, I surmise that. I have no clue. I really don't know what's going on. I know that for sure. I don't know. I, oh God, I love that. I really personally try to remind myself that I am, you know, like I love, there's an, in, in 12 step programs, they talk about like being just another bozo on the bus. And (laughs) whenever I try to like take back control and I try to be in charge and I try to like become the rescuer, I remind myself that I am not the driver that, you know, the divine source is the driver And that I basically ask like Holy Spirit, you know, divine source, blessed mother. I'm like, please take my little batoxies off of that driver's seat. Put me over the line into the back of the bus and give me my little bag of juice boxes that I can hand out to the littles. Because my job is to just sit next to other people on the bus and look out the window at the pretty pictures and say, hey, look what we're seeing. I am not the person or the power that is supposed to fix it. And I love, like my life is so much better when I let myself be stupid. And when I admit to, or, you know, cop to my, in, my ignorance. Right. Yeah. And we all act like we know what we're doing. Like I thought all you all knew what you were doing. Right. Learning, nobody really knows. We're all in nobody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trying to be the best we can be kind of a thing. Yeah. yeah. It's sort of like, what is it? Was it um the uh, Laurel and Hardy? You know, that's a fine mess you've gotten us into, you know, but just. Yeah. 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 Well, I just thought of the Three Stooges for some reason when you said that, but it was that same era of black and white. Same era. I think it was Laurel and Hardy who would say that's a fine mess you've gotten us into, but I'm not really sure. It could have been the Three Stooges. It could have been the Grouch, you know, the Marx Brothers for that matter. But yeah. Right. Well, that's what we do as humans. It's not like we received a, a manual that said this no. is do life. No. You know, oh, I'm going to be friends with that group over there. Oh, no, I don't think so. I'm going to go over here. You know, it's just- it's just like we are finding and following breadcrumbs, light breadcrumbs. Light breadcrumbs. Yes, I've been talking about it as following the trail of light. So very, very similar. Yeah. Why is that? Why do we just get little clues? Like why? And then I, I learned, I was reading this book. Oh my gosh. And it's a classic, apparently. It's called Initiation. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's like, it. it's said in the book that the reason that we can't get it all all at once is it would blow out our nervous system. And that makes so much sense. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. all. Oh, yes, I can. Well, that's when you have an intensity in your life. I can do that. Let me expand some more. Thank you. May I have another? <laughs> right, right, right. Well, in expanding into the knowledge and expanding into the experience, as opposed to like getting it all at once. I mean, I think about actually just even like the images of like as a child, you know, the Ten Commandments and like some of the things that um, like the idea of we are we are we are not capable of receiving the transmission fully without it blowing out our energy systems because the illusion, I mean, it would shatter the illusion of quote reality unquote if suddenly we were experiencing the magnitude of all of it, because the illusion of these bodies and these forms would suddenly go like, yeah, doesn't really wonder, fit there anymore. I wonder if we'd go insane. Like what? What? Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. 
Yeah. So Tracy, you know, you said something and I wanted to kind of, I really want to talk about transmosis. And I was also really curious about you worked in corporate, you worked for Xerox, you were in that world. What was it that, what did it take for you to, as a highly sensitive empathic person, what was it that got you out of, like, what was the journey from corporate to the spectacular healer life, facilitator life, author life that you are living now? Like, like I'm always really interested in that transition because I think, especially if somebody's in that place where there's in that stuck place, knowing that there's like a road, there's a way out. It just like, I think it's just so important and so hopeful. Well, I will say that I wasn't true to myself. Mm. I wouldn't allow myself to leave, even though it wasn't really, it was a belief system that was imprinted upon me that I received and accepted that. And I had this belief, I think it's all in our belief system, but I had this belief that if I did not work in corporate or in business, that I would be broke and I would never have any money. And I, for some reason, I just needed to survive, you know, I obviously for some reason, but I, I, that was what motivated me. And I have a lot of energy and I would do my work 40 hours a week, whatever. And actually for a while I was a realtor. And so I, you know, I've had many experiences in many different industries, but they were like in engineering or legal or manufacturing or, you know, Xerox and selling and just all of them. I even the last job I had, I was working in a, for a contracted company to the Department of Corrections. And growing up in DC, my dad always told me, never work for the government, only work for the private sector, the private industry. So I listened to that and I did that. But I thought that because I got my Xerox job, then I'm set, you know, not knowing that rat race, not knowing the, and I, I could have regret, but I'm not going to. I mean, if I look back, I'm like, wow, who could I be today if I hadn't chose that? But because I chose that in my past, I am who I am now. So I learned, I always did a lot. I worked, I was a wife, I was a mother. I did my energy work courses. Um, I just did a lot. I kept myself very busy. And was that distraction? Perhaps it wasn't taking a pause. So I, I was in DC, Northern Virginia. Then for the next third of my life, I was in Colorado, you know, Boulder County, married and doing all of that churn, but also still we're working with people that were like-minded. And my entertainment was like, you know, hey, a spiritual teacher, Dr. Master Shaw is coming in town. Let's go hang out with him. You know, so I would, I love learning and I would take classes, classes, classes. And my father did teach me this. And I thought of this recently. He said, knowledge is like a bucket and everything that you learn, like a pebble or a rock, you put in the bucket and no one can take that away from you. Now, maybe he was speaking to the choir because I love to learn. I'll always be a lifelong learner. I love it. So when I had a life change inside Saturn return, I don't know, but I knew that I couldn't stay doing what I was doing. And it was actually a self-love act. So sad that my relationship expired and I chose to leave that relationship and move to another town nearby, still working, another house nearby, still working. And then I decided to move to New Mexico all on my own. So it was a really big leap of faith. But I, I journal, I automatic write, and I, I write quatrains, which are four lines. 
you know, one, two, three, four, and it just comes. And I, and the sentence keeps repeating unless I write it down in my journal. And then the next line comes, it's very interesting. And I look back and I saw how the divine told me that I would be moving to New Mexico. So I told myself that I'd be doing that. So when I moved here, I lived in a yurt. Let's see, it was 960 square feet yurt in this place called Glorietta. And I've been trying to get work down here in New Mexico, but I had my Colorado address. So one day I changed my address since I lived here now and um, a recruiter found me and that's how I ended up at that prison job with the quality work and stuff like that. And I kept doing it and then all my energy work on the side, everything was always on the side. So who I really am and was, was always on the side. Mm. And so I, you know, COVID happened and um, I started working for this retreat center that teaches Qigong. It's called the Qi Center and it's great. And actually, I'm back with them working a little bit part-time from home. But what happened was so much computer work, my eyes started going weird, like it hurt and it was strained. And I actually went to a doctor, an eye doctor, about it. So it took my health and my age that I could take early social security, that that money security issue that I have. Yes. So I I gave them eight weeks notice. And I said, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to actually be 100% not on the side and do this. And it's, it was harder than I knew, mm-hmm. but everything was working well. And then like last fall, everything just kind of stopped. And so I have to look at my own fear. Yes. I have to look at my own faith in myself, but it's, it's my last lesson. I really believe this, that, that I'm needing to trust who actually really provides. Like it's the divine. It's the provider is why I'm alive, <laughs> the essence of who I am. But a lot of people, couple that I know, they totally get that in their body. They have embodied that. And I'm almost there, but I'm not all the way. Yeah. So that's why I'm doing yeah. these part-time things to supplement the social security thing. But what's happening is I'm actually relaxing into it. I've created a brochure. I've created business cards. I'm working with someone to help me with my website. I mean, I'm doing all those steps putting one foot in front of the other. And all I can share for anyone that's in that position, maybe not social security yet, but create a good plan. So you're not so stressed Yes, and you're not in survival so that you can be creative to make steps towards why you're really here. And one of the really great teachings that I've recently learned is called gene keys, G E N E K E Y S.com. You put in your birth date and stuff. And then there's these, this holographic diagram that shows up. And honestly, taking that course gave me permission to be who I am. It's like, oh, that's in my genes. Oh, okay. I can, I can allow myself to be a creative person now instead of like corporate America, which I can be creative at corporate, but it wasn't, it's not really everything. So I just need to write more and do that and allow my, it's like allowing yourself to be who you are and work through the fear, whatever those are and admit it to yourself. So you ask questions, you trust the answers you receive internally and you acknowledge them and work with them and then you accept them. And somehow that's like the curriculum, ask, trust, acknowledge, and accept. Ask, trust, acknowledge, and accept. It's a process you can do for yourself. And I got that from spirit. One time I was in a channel and Jeffrey Hoppy was channeling Katumi. And Katumi took us through this guided whatever. And then he said, write down these four, write down four things. And those were the things that came to me. And then he said at the end, go teach that. That's your curriculum. 
So I've kind of noticed the truth of that for me, that you ask questions, you trust the answer you get, acknowledge it and accept it. So I share that in case it's helpful for anyone else that wants to embody that information that I received from the divine. Mm, mm. Oh, my goodness. I'm just, there are so many pieces of this conversation that are so incredibly rich. (laughs) And I want to pull out a piece about being ready to be where we are and ready to thrive. And I, you know, I was having a conversation earlier with somebody about the importance of leveraging our way into our success and that there is sort of this misconception, I think, in the online entrepreneurial world of like that somehow you're supposed to just like put it out there and you're going to be an overnight sensation. And the truth is that it takes building a system. It takes working through all the mindset stuff. Every single time we grow and we up level, we're going to have to recalibrate again. And that having those having those resources or those stop gaps that allow us to not be in fight, flight, or freeze, like, like survival peril, makes it much more comfortable to grow a business and to follow our heart's desire and our path than if we are placing all of the responsibility of our entire survival on a baby, like infant business and spiritual practice. So I love that you're talking about this because I think it's so important to share that this is how it works for many of us. And also just sort of that joke of like overnight sensation in 10 years or 20 years, like most of us who've been doing this work have been doing it for a really long time before we get a certain level of traction. So I'm, I'm really honestly shy and I was pretty silent growing up. It was safer to be silent. My dad was kind of a rageaholic and my mom wasn't the most nurturing woman because of her background. You know, I, I get all of that. So that's what I was saying about reparenting myself. And we do need to be gentle with ourselves and to love ourselves. I mean, it's, it's really about that. I kind of lost my train of thought to be honest and transparent here, but I had a point and maybe it'll come back, but it's like, I can be really hard on myself. I'm really shy. And then I worked really hard, like at Xerox. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be a sales rep. Okay, I could be a marketing support rep. You know, I make myself do uncomfortable things to help me be more balanced inside. So for example, I had a business coach. I didn't pay very, very much. It was a very nice, it was like $97 a month. And I had that, so I could. But she kept telling me, oh, you need to... um, get out in front of other people's audiences. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Of course, we were in COVID as well. So I I couldn't. But then I don't know, one day I was just searching. And I think that's how I found you was like on podmatch.com. And it's like they match us up. And it's actually really fun to meet people Isn't it like fun? you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I had a podcasting experience with somebody just the other day where I was a guest on her show. And it was the most bizarre synchronicities. We started talking about all kinds of things. And it ended up that we're both assimilated twins. And it was just like, it, it was like, it was just next level, the universe set this conversation up for us, we were destined to have this conversation, it was absolutely meant to be. And 
I am loving the connections I'm getting to make with all of you guys who I'm like, oh, my tribe, my peeps, my my sisters who completely get it and everything you're describing. It's funny. I was not shy as a child. I was very, very verbal, but I was very socially insecure. So I wasn't quiet, but I was very, very socially awkward and uncomfortable. And, you know, everything you're describing, I'm just like, yep. I totally know what you're talking about. I think we all feel that, but we act like we don't. I got right. it together or, you know, because yeah. it's socially not acceptable to be real. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Authentic and genuine. <laughs> well, and I sort of joke, you know, especially when it comes to sort of extroversion or like I ran, I co-owned a brick and mortar tattoo studio for over, for near, like for good Lord, like 18 years, that building. And we had art openings and parties all the time. And so I was like, I had to learn how to be on. And so my joke used to be like, um, you know, I'm basically an introvert that plays an extrovert on TV. <laughs> and because I had to pretend to extrovert, I had to act like I was having fun. And I actually like I really learned like I know how like it's really it can be really fun to flirt. It can be really fun to like, and especially like, being at somebody else's fundraiser and just be like, Hey, you want this t-shirt, don't you? And just teasing people into something, but it didn't necessarily come naturally. I had to work with it. So Tracy, we are amazingly like this conversation is just whipped by. And I really did want to talk about transmosis a bit. We've got about, you know, like we we're at the 47 minute mark right now. Amazingly. I know. Can you believe that? Oh. <laughs> Um, basically I've taken almost every energy work course out there and mm -hmm. the common denominator for me is that I share what I hear and I see, and I don't see clairvoyantly. I have my eyes closed, whether I'm doing Reiki, whatever, and I will be given images and I'll describe what I see. So it's almost like having your, um, a story read to you during a set. Mm -hmm. And I was doing Reiki on someone in Colorado, and I heard the word clairaudiently transmosis. So I wrote it down. I asked everybody, what does it mean? Nobody knew because I used to say it's a made up word, but it's actually a spiritually appointed word and it works perfectly. And so finally I asked, I asked the divine, what does it mean? And, and I'm going to read it because I want to get it right. Cause I don't talk like this. So it was almost like channeled information. Transmosis. Yeah, when they channel, it's it's yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I do I don't talk like this. So it said, transmosis is an unconscious transfer and assimilation of higher energies to raise the recipient's energy to equal the source energy. So I just kept that on a bookmark in the background, and I kept taking all these classes, access, etc. And then I one day was driving to work in Boulder, and I heard call Vicky. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I never did it. Right. And then it's like, call Vicky. And I finally called her and she said, hi, friends, I'm out of town. She's camping. She says, but if you want an energy clearing, call Jean. So Jean and Vicky teach this class called multidimensional body balancing. So I took the class. I normally do not have to interview to take a class. So we interviewed to make sure that we were enough, pure enough, something. And I realized that this work that they were offering called multidimensional body balancing gave structure to what I was doing naturally. So we did table class. We were, and, and so, so what I did is I kept with it. I loved it because we use light. 
we don't do it. You call in 100% pure divine light. We meaning the students of the class. So you call in 100% pure divine light. And for you, Jen, we would say, I call in Jen's guides of 100% pure divine light for Jen's highest and greatest good to be done for herself and for all concerned. I call in my guides of 100% pure divine light. And I ask that I be a pure divine vessel of truth, wisdom, and healing love for Jen's highest and greatest good for herself and for all concerned. Then I invite Jen and I both to keep our egos and personalities outside of this consecrated space so that we can both be as close as possible to pure divine consciousness. And then I ask, it's my program, ask, trust, acknowledge, accept. So I ask, show me, show me what is in her highest and greatest good, where to start first. Well, everything that I learned, I put onto an eight and a half by 11 inch piece of paper. And then I call you in and I muscle test and I ask for your highest and greatest good. And everybody has this. So for you right now, the ancestral line on your father's side of the family, we're going to call in 60 generations back on your father's side of the family. And I personally see them like a symbol of paper dolls, like holding hands, like paper dolls. Yes, yes, yes. I see them as often as a, as a line or like a golden thread that just keeps on going back and back and back. Interestingly, um, we did, I did a piece of ancestral clearing with a friend earlier matrilineal line 23 generations back so today has just definitely been like old ancestral stuff coming up to be shifted yeah so what happens is what we're shifting is that energy i kind of look at it as like a graph paper in a sense and if we're charged positive or negative we can have energy glom onto us or we can have a traumatic experience an accident a disconnect we disconnect from our body we disconnect from the divine whatever and those energies get stuck in the past. So how hard is it for us as a human here now to be present when we've got something unconscious happening in the back that we don't even know about? So we call in the violet consuming flame and we, we clean, clear, cleanse, heal, harmonize, and balance on all levels, layers, timelines, and dimensions. We eject any negative objects. We reverse any and all implosions and contractions. We reverse any and all shearings. And then we heal and seal with liquid golden light and we activate upward spirals. We reverse any and all implosions and contractions. And then we anchor and hold with divine protection of truth, wisdom, and healing love on all levels, layers, timelines, and dimensions. But there are six different bodies that we have. There are mm. three major systems where 80% of the time these energies that get stuck are in the nervous, endocrine, or chakra system. Mm -hmm. But you have a physical body, you have a super physical body, astral, which is your emotions, causal, which is past lives, mental, what your thoughts and ideas and concepts are, etheric, higher mind, and then your soul body. So when you ask the divine, they kind of like, tell me what, where, when to start and clear. So I don't do it. I'm just the one voice, the conduit that we go up and get the information to help someone. And again, it's like a soul journey. And I had a really bad experience where I was like, what is going on? Is there a solar flare? I don't feel good. I'm uncomfortable. The best word I could say is insecure on steroids. Mm -hmm. And what I did is I cleared my father's side of the family 135 generations back. Yesterday, we worked with someone for 145 to 165 generations back. It's gone to 200. I don't know what's happening, but we're expanding and we're just clearing out energies that no longer serve us so we can be our pure light of who we really are.
You are really validating something that I, you know, the level of like ancestral trauma and going back down the lineage. I mean, I just, I actually just channeled my second book and it was, um, you know, and my guides and the council that spoke through me basically were explaining that we've been in essentially a 5,000 year retrograde as a planet that has been impacting our capacity to understand or see things. And the thing is, it's funny because I studied in one modality that's kind of adamant about, well, you know, generally the ancestral wounding is like anywhere between like three to 10, maybe 20 tops of like, and I'm like, no, no, you're saying exactly what I'm experiencing. Like these ancestral wounds, they go back, 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 back like really far and that and we don't need to know the story no. all we need to do is help those energies that are still around and evolving and growing to evolve so when you clear your ancestral line and remove all the dark light is 10 9 to 1 is dark where there's trauma lower frequency you just kind of like bind and gag them and then transmute them with the purple flame and you send them off to where they've earned the right to be so that they're freed up you're freed up. Your children, if you have children, are freed up. It goes forwards and backwards. Soul is eternal. Soul is eternal. It's spiritual hygiene. We brush our teeth, we wash our hair and our bodies, but we don't remember and think about our energy because it's invisible. Well, and you know, the other thing is that we live in a society that has this idea that somehow we're going to have a one and done spiritual experience and we're going to be set for the rest of our life. <laughs> and it's like, in the same way that you need to brush your hair and brush your teeth and eat a meal and get sleep every single day, we need to maintain our spiritual and psychic hygiene on a daily basis. And I think that, you know, there's this idea that it's like we're going to have one epiphany and it's all going to be good is just absurd. I would love to have that ability to transform someone in a second like Master Jesus did, right? I mean, um, I, I would, I aspire to that. And if that happens, it's not me choosing it. It's like the divine. I just work here, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. You're just showing up. Tracy, this conversation has been so rich and so yummy and just so delicious. And amazingly, we are at the top of the hour. How can people get in touch with you? Um, my first and last name. Dot com. So T-R-A-C-E-Y-W-H-I-T-T-E-T.com. I try and explain what transmosis is. On the website, you can schedule automatically. It works great over Zoom. It works great in Santa Fe if you're here. And um, on the website, you know, my girlfriends and I, we wrote a book called The Magi Within, mm. Unlocking the Gifts of the Inner Self. And you can get that on Amazon and there's a link on the website. But what I like to do is empower people. It's really grassroots up. And so you can get a PDF, you'd have to print it or just have it online. But it's a book that has artwork and 26 chapters because it's A through Z. So A is awareness, B is bliss, C is creativity, that kind of a thing. And what you do is just open up the book or just think of a letter and see what that's about, answer the questions and be with that for the day. Mm. So that you get used to being in touch with your own intuition, your own inner magi, so that you're empowered. And you just play, you just play with it. It's fun. 
Nobody has to know that I'm with K kindness all day long. And then you can look at the artwork and I'm in the process of getting posters made so that people can order them if they want, because they're imprinted with that energy as well. Oh, nice. And then your water is going to be imprinted with that energy. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Wonderful. What a generous, generous gift that you are offering. That is just wonderful. Thank you. I just want to get it out there for people to use it if they want. You know, it's, it's easy. You and I and anyone else that's empathic, it's easy, but it's kind of nice to focus because mm-hmm. we're so, we, we're antenna, you mm-hmm. know, we, we transmit, we receive and we feel it all. So yeah, if it helps somebody, super. I, I would love that. I just want to be of service, but I can't heal the whole world. So I want others to be empowered and do this work too, to help others. And I am working on a course so I can teach how I do this work so that others can do this work too, to be self-healing, to do it for themselves. Wonderful. So that's in process. That's not on the website. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. Well, and it's definitely, yeah, it's, it's definitely a process. Tracy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for all of your wisdom for, and thank you for your candor, for your vulnerability, for just being you. It's really been a pleasure to just see your gorgeous light-filled heart today. Thank you so much. Thank you. And you're easy to talk to. So that really helps. Thank you. I'm so (laughs) glad. That's awesome. As we come to the end of this episode, I'd love to hear what you're taking from this show. Please jump over to empathicmasteryshow.com to leave your comments. In the show notes, you'll find a link to grab your copy of My Empathic Safety Guide, Three Basics for Finding Calm in the Eye of the Storm. And while you're there, please subscribe and follow this show. And thank you for your help sharing this show with the people who need it. Please help me to spread the word and send this podcast to friends or family members who need support living as highly sensitive empathic people. Then join me again when the next Empathic Mastery Show airs. Okay, one last time, hop over to EmpathicMasteryShow.com for your Empathic Safety Guide. And until next show, shine on. We need you and your gifts here on this planet. So please don't judge your empathic rainbow by colorblind standards.